Hi, this is Walter Montero, and you're listening to this week's edition of the Real Estate and Mortgage Show. Hey guys, it's Walter Montero here. Uh, thanks again for tuning into the show. This week's version of uh, the Real Estate and Mortgage Show is actually the audio portion of a webinar that I did a few months ago with real estate lawyer Victor Hussein from Kitchener. It's just uh, answering some of the questions that a lot of people have about the whole process of power sale in terms of buying one. So just a few things that you should know about power sale. And if you ever have any questions about it, feel free to give me a call. But the show was about, I think it's about a half an hour long, so it's a little bit longer than the shows we've been doing up to now. Um, but um, it's good listening and I'm sure you'll really enjoy it. There is some reference to the screen on the webinar, so but we do make the, the websites that uh, we refer to there very audible, So and we'll put it in the show notes just in case you need to reference it a little later. So anyway, here's uh, Victor and I on the webinar, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. My name is Walter Montero with Coldwell Banker Maximum Results here in Cambridge. And I've got a very special guest tonight. His name is Victor Hussein with VH Law in Kitchener. Victor is a real estate attorney. And uh, Victor, how long have you been practicing now? 17 years. Holy primary. That's that's crazy. Um, Longest thing I've done in my life. <laughs> very good. And I think I've known you about 16 or so of those 17 years. Yeah, it's, it's been a life. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a real curse. I understand. I understand. Anyway, I, I just wanted to put together a, um, a little presentation here, just a little Q and A, because I know that you know when we're dealing with people that are buying properties, power sales are always you know really an attractive thing to people because you know it's sort of a hidden or a mysterious thing in terms of. Hey, I'm going to get a really good deal if I buy a power sale. And um, there's there's a lot of things to know about buying a power sale, and that's why I wanted to to bring you on, Vic, because I, I think it would be a good idea for people to know the differences between buying just a traditional straight-up property from a, directly from an owner and buying a property under power sale. So right. I, I guess the big thing that, uh, the biggest confusion that we find in the marketplace is people often confuse power sale properties with foreclosure properties, and there is definitely a difference. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about the difference between a power sale and a foreclosure? Okay, I'll try to keep it minimal because this could be a whole year worth of uh, law school. <laughs> okay. Power sale, okay. There's, there is a provision in the Mortgages Act that allows a lender, when, let's say, a borrower is in default, okay, mm -hmm. to, uh, well, during default, take over the property. If I can say take over, but doesn't really take over. Okay. okay. Uh, and try to sell the property. Okay. Okay. Now, in doing that, uh, yes, there are notices that have to be given, blah, 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 we're not interested in that. As long as they dot the I's, they're fine. Okay. Um, but in doing that, the borrower still has a lot of power, and okay. the lender has a lot of obligations to the borrower. So, for example, in a power of sale, the, the borrower is still the owner of the property. The lender never becomes the owner. The lender is actually just selling the property, trying to recoup losses. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So in, in which case, if the borrower on the nth hour during the power sale, let's say I put an offer on a power sale. Okay. The day before closing, if the borrower makes good on the mortgage, and that means brings it back up to speed. Right. Not paid off. Just bring it up to speed, all debts paid, et cetera. Right, right. The lender has to cease and desist, and I can't buy the property. Oh, wow. So, so somebody the borrower still has. So somebody can, in effect, make an offer on a property, get it accepted, and make all their arrangements for moving, 
and on and before closing they can end up not getting the house exactly oh wow okay now okay. the chance of that happening is very rare i've never seen it in 17 years right okay, okay. yep uh, but the, the borrower does have that power still right right in the foreclosure situation the bank doesn't try to sell the house while the borrower still owns it. The bank actually goes to court first. I see. Gets an order to take over the property. Then mm -hmm. becomes the owner of the property. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now okay. the, the owner is out of the picture, period. So they actually get, so the bank actually takes title to the property then? Yeah. I see, I see. Now the differences in how the bank sells is different too. In a power of sale, the bank owes the borrower an obligation to get the best price. It can't be a fire sale. They have to prove that they did everything deadly right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, in foreclosure, mm -hmm. once the owner's out of the picture and there's a court order saying that the house belongs to the bank, the bank can sell it for whatever price, whatever they want to do. Wow, wow. Okay, so well, let me ask you this. Why why do we see so many power sales? Why doesn't the bank just take foreclosure proceedings instead of power sale proceedings? When Get, they... Getting that court order is a tall hurdle. I see, I see. Okay. Without getting into the details of uh, proving the points, etc., it is hard to tell a court that, look, the guy defaulted, but let's just take the house. So basically, they can get their money back faster if they go the power of sale route rather than the foreclosure route. Bingo. I see, I see. Okay. And so I guess that they will get the power of sale route better than the foreclosure because I don't, I don't see too many courts offering that. I see. And the, the courts are probably sympathetic to the borrower, too, because yeah. you got the, the big bad banks sort of taking houses away from people. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Okay. So what should somebody know about buying a power sale other than the fact that you've got the right of redemption, which you've talked about, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the old borrower taking it back? What, what should they know about it? There are a slew of things. Um, basically, the standard real estate purchase agreement with a normal buyer and seller um, the seller makes a lot of representations. The taxes are paid up. The fridge and stove are giving you we own. Mm -hmm. uh, the rentals are what we're saying they are. You know, all sorts of things. Banks all add what's called a Schedule B to an agreement of purchase and sale. Mm -hmm. They all have their own Schedule Bs, which say different things. But in common, though, most of them will say things like you're buying the house as is. Mm -hmm. You're taking the title pretty well as, as is. Mm -hmm. You're taking the appliances as is. I see. You can't make any representations that, you know, these places Sears doesn't own and won't right. show up, right? Right, There's right. The, yeah, the host of things that are different in the power of sale. I see, I see. So basically, what they see is what they get. That's that's pretty much uh, and, pretty much the deal. And your chances, yes. I see. And there's no ramification, there's no avenues of recourse after they take the possession of the property. They can't do anything about it under power. That's too bad for them. Exactly. I see, I see, okay. I've seen it so bad. In one particular bank situation, normally what happens is the bank will say, look, if there's tax arrears on the day of closing, we'll cover that as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see, oh, I see. okay. There's one bank that actually says, we're not going to adjust anything, not even taxes. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, okay, that's, that's interesting. Okay, so, yeah, that's so in, a, in a sense, what you're talking about here is somebody can take possession of that property and all of a sudden get a knock on the door from the uh, local... A municipality saying, "Hey, there's there's twelve thousand dollars in back taxes on this place." Yes, yeah, exactly. And exactly. so, how can somebody protect themselves from that? Would that be found out through a title search? Um, in that particular case, when I did that particular file, and that's why I know about it, is before we even put an offer in, I had the buyer and their realtor go to the city and find out exactly what the tax situation is. I then see. Go to building and zoning and see if there's any outstanding work orders. So basically, we did all of the searches before we even put the offer in. 
Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Now, what about where does I, I know we're kind of getting a little bit off topic here, but where does title insurance kick in on this? Would that be covered under title insurance? Not at all. No, it wouldn't be. Uh, oh, okay. Because title insurance looks at the agreement and says you agreed to all these debts. Oh, I we're see. Not I see. Insure these debts. I see. I see. Okay. So, aside from the as is, what what's typical modifications that are made to an agreement of purchase and sale? They will not say. They will first of all say HST is in addition to the purchase price. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The reason they're saying that is HST does not apply on the used residential property. Mm-hmm. They don't know if this residence was used as a nail cutting store, mm-hmm. a manager, mm-hmm. right, or a massage yep. place, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. And if, if they are used as a business, then HST does apply. So the bank always says in addition to. And again, you're taking your chances. I actually remember a situation a few years back where uh, it wasn't a power sale property and uh, it was just a regular residential property. We sold the property and then all of a sudden the seller called us a couple months later saying, hey, I've, I've got uh, Revenue Canada knocking at my door. They want HST. And I thought, oh, this is really weird. This is a residential property. Why is that? And he couldn't figure it out. And then we later discovered that his accountant had suggested to him that he, if he registered, because it was a multi-unit property, uh, if he registered the property as a bed and breakfast, there were some tax tax benefits. Well, he he never told us that. And and quite honestly, he forgot all about it. So Mm -hmm. because he was registered by CRA as a as a as a bed and breakfast, he got nailed with HST. So, there yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah, so the bank won't warrant that because they have no idea what this property was used for. Now, there's one particular clause, and I, I don't have an agreement in front of me, but I know that there's one that, it, well, I, I'll try and give you a little bit of a, a picture of it. I, I know that when you buy a property, let's say I buy a property from somebody, that same person also owns the property next door. Mm-hmm. Well, what ends up happening is the titles merge, right, yes. as, as you know. So in a typical agreement of purchase and sale, there is an actual clause addressed in the offer that says that if that happens to occur, the seller agrees to remedy the issue and agrees to save harmless the buyer. Exactly. Okay, now and I, I know in an agreement of purchase and sale with a power sale, they scratch that out, don't they? They do. I guess that's because they, they don't do a title search on the property next door and they want to wash their hands as much as they can, right? Exactly. exactly. I see. Okay, well, that's, that's, uh, that's so, really interesting too. Yeah. In, in a power sale situation, the agreement is really, really chopped up a lot. Mm-hmm. And then they throw in their Schedule D, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. literally, I mean, title, physical, and appliances, chattels are all as is. They're all as like is. Like said, what you see is what you get. Right. What about the rental items like uh, water heater, water softeners? And like, I mean, even these days, Vic, you're seeing a lot of furnaces being rented. Yeah. So... What about all of that? That's again, it's just a, it's a crap no presentation. Wow, that's incredible. You can have them, but we're not saying you can keep them. So there's some real risks in buying one of these, really, in the grand scheme of things. There, there is, there is. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to buy one of these things, and Walter, you know this, the only condition you can really put in there is home inspection. Although they're not going to negotiate that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it allows you to see how dysfunctional the house is, if it is at all. But mm-hmm. during that home inspection, my recommendation has always been to clients. Do all the full searches. It costs a lot of money mm-hmm. if you're buying the house, but do mm-hmm. the searches now. Mm-hmm. And before you waive that home inspection condition, you'll know where this thing sits. So you save the heartache later. Yeah. You'll yeah. know exactly what taxes are owing. You know, the, the only thing I can't figure out for you is uh, whether the chattels are owned or not. I mean, we'd have to hit Sears and Home Depot and everybody else that we could think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost impossible. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. problem, so we don't, yeah. we don't yeah. worry about that. Sure, sure. Now, I, I just want to get back to the right of redemption again. I uh, that that part of it is always a little bit scary to me. Now, you said that you've been practicing seventeen years; you've never seen it happen. Um, I've I've been in the real estate business twenty seven years. I've I've heard of it happening. Uh, I've heard of it happening once in a residential deal, and I've heard of it happening on several occasions on the commercial oh, yeah. side of things. How long, like like right up to the day of closing, these people to have the, the right hour. to redeem? To oh the God. hour. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And, and all they have to do is make the payments up to speed. That's it. And, and then, you, so you better have a plan B. Yeah. <laughs> if you're moving in. If this sure. is, you know, uh, an investment of some sort, then that's fine. But. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, in terms of uh, disclosures, um, like was the property ever a, a grow up or was there ever a murder or a suicide or was it, you know, any, any kind of illegal activity? Uh, there, is there anything you can do about that? Or is it again, the whole as is condition? The whole as is, they have no idea. I mean, let's face it, the banks have thousands and hundreds of thousands of properties on their, on their roster. They have no idea what people are The doing. last thing they would know. Yeah. yeah. Now, one thing I wanted to bring to our, our viewers attention here is, uh, I don't know if you can see that okay or not, Rick, mm -hmm. but there's a there's a website that I I came across called housecreep.com, and uh, I was actually I actually heard about it a couple of weeks ago, and you can go on to this site, and you can just punch in the address of the property that you're looking at, and it right. will actually give you a breakdown of of any criminal activity that has happened in the property. Oh. Now, what I find about it is a lot of it is more the site obviously is run out of the states because. Mm -hmm. There is a lot more American content on there than Canadian, but there is a lot of Canadian stuff, and it's growing more and more. So, you know, it, it may not apply to the property that somebody buys here in the Cambridge KW area, but hey, it's worth a shot. I mean, Absolutely. you know, it's a free wow. site. You punch in the address, and you know, who knows? Maybe you'll you'll find something creepy about it. <laughs> right something now, creepy about it. Right now, the only way I've been able to find out anything is punching in the address on Google and hoping there, if there was criminal activity, there's some article from the record or somebody. Yeah, Google is the definitely in share that information is privacy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the region won't either as well, so. Interesting, interesting. Okay, yeah, well, of course, there's good old Google. Never mind house creep. Yeah, yeah. If, if, you know, most grow-ups, when they've hit the when they've hit the fan, there's been an article or something in the paper. Oh, for sure, for sure, so absolutely. It's no guarantee, of course. I mean, they can't catch every one of them, but right, right, okay. Well, that's good. Um, I just want to uh, kind of open it up a little bit here and just see if anybody's got any questions. Uh, you can punch your question into the chat, and I will receive it here, and I will read it off to Vic, or maybe it could even be applicable to me, and I maybe we can answer some questions here. So just feel free to just uh, go right into the chat and um, punch in a question if you have it. Uh, now, I just wanted to say a couple things in terms of the actual uh, transaction itself. Uh, the one thing that I like to make people aware of when they're buying a power of sale is, first of all, first and foremost, you've got to be ready to negotiate uh, because uh, regardless of what you offer or even what they're asking, it seems like 99 times out of 100, you make an offer on a power of sale property, it doesn't matter what that dollar amount comes in, almost always the bank will counter it back. And I guess that's part of their due diligence, is it, Vic, to try and get yeah. as much money as possible? Exactly. exactly. I see. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I can tell you, I've there have been times where we've come in, you know, 
so close to asking price and, and the bank will still counter it. And it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but I guess they got to do what they got to do for sure. Yeah, exactly. Now, the other thing that I, uh, that I, I like my, um, my purchasers to know is most of these homes, especially because of the climate that we live in, never mind, uh, you know, the bank doing their due diligence to make sure there's no further damage to the property. A lot of the utilities are shut off to the home, primarily the water. So yeah. uh, when somebody makes an offer, of course, most of us are prudent and put in a, a condition on inspection. You've got to put in something in the, in the offer um, asking the bank to have the water turned back on so that you can conduct a proper home inspection. So it's, it's, it's just a prudent thing to do because otherwise if you don't do it, and I've been in those shoes before, all of a sudden, you know, the home inspection is cut relatively short because they can't, you know, check any of the uh, the plumbing. You know, that's your 27 years of experience talking. Yes, that's right. <laughs> hey, going back to the negotiations, okay? Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, do you? I find this every single time, and I know you do. Uh, when you put in the offer, they want them all at the same time. And then they take forever to reply back. Oh yeah, no, it's crazy. Uh, I, I, I mean, ultimately, I know exactly what they're doing. What they're doing is they're trying to accumulate a multiple offer situation so yeah. they can start getting the bidders uh, bidding against each other. Um, and uh, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. In our environment here now, in the market conditions that we're in here now in Cambridge KW, it happens a lot because, as you know, we're we're in a very robust market. So. Yeah. You know, when you give them an offer, you know, let's say, you know, today is May the 1st. If I gave them an offer irrevocable till tomorrow night, well, they could care less what the yeah. irrevocable date is. They don't, they don't care. I mean, they'll entertain it when they, when they bloody well feel like it. Now, exactly. I, I find that the only time that the date all of a sudden becomes very important is when the offer is actually accepted. So when, when the date, when, when they've decided that they're going to accept an offer from your buyer, then, yeah, then definitely they, they make sure all their I's are dotted and their T's are crossed because they, they want to make sure that the agreement is binding. Yeah, and then they move, they move on time. Like they want time constraints to be perfect. Absolutely they do. Absolutely, yeah. All of a sudden it gets accelerated. It's yeah. like somebody put a match under their butt or something. I, 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 find, it, I find it kind of funny because initially during the, during the negotiation stage, they always give the excuse, you know, it's a corporate ladder. we got to go to the lawyers inside the bank and all that. Yes. Right? They take their yeah. time. And then once the deal hits the fan, whoa. Yeah, I, I find that they're... The corporate ladder's gone. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. I find that it almost sounds like in the beginning that almost every, there's somebody afraid to make a decision. But once that decision is made, you know, uh, you know, there, it doesn't need to go through so many, so many hands anymore. It's, it's all of a sudden in the hands of one person. It's just very interesting the way that all unfolds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing that I notice about power sales as well, uh, um, and I, I mean, that's, it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's, it, it is more, it, it, it happens more than it doesn't, is most of these properties are in pretty rough shape. Um, because, you know, you're dealing with somebody that's, obviously gone through a money issue and mm -hmm. you know the banks don't always pull the trigger that quickly so no, they do not so there's a lot of neglect uh yeah. you know things go unrepaired um and then all of a sudden there's that um the occupant almost gets bad blood in the sense that hey i'm, I'm gonna lose this place anyway like what do i care when they're moving out they're not exactly careful on the way out the door so so a lot of these properties need repair. One thing that, that uh, and, and that sort of causes a lot of people to shy away from them because, you know, with the, 
the price of homes these days, a lot of times after the down payment and your legal fees and your land transfer tax and, um, you know, buying new furniture and all that kind of stuff, uh, funds are exhausted in terms of being able to do any repairs. There is a program called Purchase Plus Improvements, and that's, oh. that can be done actually on the financing side, and it's both a CMHC and a Genworth program where somebody can borrow uh, up to an extra 20% of what they've mortgaged on the property. So, you know, if they've mortgaged, you know, $100,000, they can borrow an additional $20,000 to conduct repairs on the property after they take possession. You've probably participated in this before, haven't you, Vic? I've only done the paperwork, but let me ask you more details now, now that you're talking about it. So if I get a mortgage, let's say 80% of the purchase price. Yeah. If I qualify for this home improvement program, yep. I can actually be 100% financed. Yeah, in a sense, yeah. In a sense, you are because the repair's got to be, you know, something significant, right? Yeah. You know, it's got to be like a kitchen or a roof or carpeting or, you know, something like that. You know, something that's going to bring up the value of the property. Or I've seen it even used for somebody to finish off a portion of the basement because it was important for them to have a finished basement. So they use right. the Purchase Plus Improvement Program. Basically, the way the program works is, is the premium, the CMHC premium is just a tad higher. It's not much. What they do is they, they end up borrowing that extra money. That extra money gets advanced to the lawyer. When we apply for, when the borrower applies for the mortgage, they actually have to give a quote from a tradesman of how much that repair is actually going to cost. Right. And then so that gets submitted to the bank. And, um, you know, once it's approved, the money gets actually forwarded to the to the real estate lawyer. And then only after the repairs are completed will those funds be released to the borrower. So basically, it, it just ensures to the bank that, you know, somebody isn't, uh, you know, borrowing an extra 20% and uh, going off to the Greek islands for a couple months. Right, exactly. You know, It doesn't matter if it's going to be my principal residence or investment. That's a good question. I think the program only applies to principal residence. I'm, okay. I'm not certain of that, but I will check that. I will send everybody out an email just to uh, to make sure that I'm not uh, telling tales out of school here or anything. That's a great but program. It is a good program. Now, the uh, the thing is, is there's, there's two, even though the program is similar, CMHCs and Genworths are, are, are a tad different. So CMHCs, is a maximum of 10% of the purchase price, and there is no cap as to the additional money. And with Genworth, it's 20%, but it's capped at 40,000. Oh, okay. So if you, you know, if you cool. buy a, a big monstrous house, and you know, 20% ends up being, you know, 120 grand or something like that, uh, you're not going to get it. You're only going to get right. the 40, right? And uh, and then there is an actual time limit as to um, how long the borrower has to finish the work because I, I understand that uh, when the monies are advanced to the lawyer that there is actual actually a set of instructions to the lawyer saying that you know if if these people don't act on this by a certain amount of time it has to be it has to be sent back to the bank oh, okay. so yeah so it's it's kind of a neat program for sure I don't see any uh, questions getting chat, chatted in here, Vic, so I, I think we're probably doing such a phenomenal job <laughs> for answering all these questions. This is, this is quite typical. We're used to this, but, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, it, it comes with 17 and 27 years of experience. <laughs> I mean, any of the participants can certainly email you or I. Perfect. And uh, your email, I had it on the, I think I had it on the front there. Let me just go to it here. Um, your email is victor.vhlaw.ca. Yep, and that's my direct email. And that's, me directly. 
Excellent. And uh, and then that's your uh, your office number. Perfect. Perfect. And uh, and what what's what's the name of your gatekeeper again? <laughs> Casey, the receptionist. Yeah, well, her. Yeah, that's her. I'll tell you, Casey is, a, Casey is a great gal, but I'll tell you one thing. She wants to make sure that it's all business when I call her. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't call you with a joke anymore. It used to be easier, but it's 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 a tough cake, I'll tell you. Yeah. I've known you for how many years again? <laughs> I think 16 years. I think it's something like that. Anyway. Um, so the only other thing I wanted to bring to people's attention is, of course, my website, CambridgeHouses.com, on the site. There is actually uh, an icon that says "Find Your Dream Home," and it's specifically stated for buyers. So, if you are a power sale shopper, obviously, you know certainly the intention of tonight's webinar was not to, you know, dissuade you from buying a power sale. But you know, obviously, to keep in mind that there are some risks, and I, I, a lot of times, what I tell people, Vic, is um, power sales you can get. A half decent deal. I wouldn't say you can get a steal of a deal with a power sale, but you can get a half decent deal. I find that you're almost better off finding somebody just before they go power sale. So yeah. if you got if you got that particular individual that's you know trying to salvage their credit or you know just wants to keep control of the transaction, they don't want to give it up to the bank. Yeah. Especially depending on some of these banks. Like if you get you know one of the big five banks, they're not so bad, but if you get to some of these smaller trust companies or these little banks, mm -hmm. they oh, can be God. very aggressive with legal fees and that sort of thing. They can really eat up a lot of the huh. uh, the equity. And and the owner, the, the debtor should know that you default on the mortgage just because the bank took the house and sold it doesn't mean they're not chasing for the difference now. They will chase you for the difference. So, yeah, you're right. Getting this owner before a power sale happens is great cash for them. Yeah, and, and we we see them because there are always li these little trigger words in a, in a listing that, you know, sometimes must be sold or motivated seller or, you know, just little things like that. There's always little characteristics to a, to a motivated seller, and a good right. realtor will be able to find that for you. So, um, you know, go to my site, register on there, find your dream home, and... Um, it's um, we'll keep an eye on the market for you. It's it, it's it's a neat little thing. So that's my site there. And there's my, yeah, there's my handsome face there. There you and, go. <laughs> so it's right under buying, and Who you just click. I, I'm not sure. I think it's my brother. Uh, <laughs> click on buying, find your dream home, and then there's the form right there. And they can just fill it in, fill in their name, email address, phone number, submit, and they're off to the races. We get it, and. Um, you know, if you leave your phone number, we we love to have a chat with you. If you don't want to leave your phone number, you just want the information. We don't have a problem with that either. We can we can do all that for you. So not an issue at all. Anyway, Vic, I I think we're coming to a close. Anything you uh, you want to say before we uh, sign off? No, this is great. All right. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate Perfect. it. Thank you. And uh, again, your number is seven four four eight five eight five, and you're located in Kitchener, where, Vic? I didn't put your address on there. Okay, there's there's one at Kitchener and there's a Cambridge office as well. Of so, course, yeah. Yeah, so if you give us a shout, we'll meet you whichever office is more convenient. Excellent. Okay, and you're on Lan Lancaster and Kitchener, right? On Lancaster, yep. And, and uh, then you're Lancaster and Victoria would be the closest intersection. And then in Cambridge, we're at the 401 in Hesper, literally right there. Yeah, you're right on the 401. It's excellent. Excellent locations, both of them for sure. Okay, Vic, well, thanks very much. Wonderful. I appreciate you, your time. And I uh, hope you have a great evening and everybody else. Thanks very much for attending, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. And there you have it. So I hope you enjoyed the show. 
And again, if you have any questions, feel free to send me a message at walter at maximumresults.ca. You'll also notice that on our website, waltermontero.com slash podcast, where we obviously store the podcast, there is an opt-in in terms of uh, getting an email alert when, I, when a podcast is ready to be listened to. So if you want to just subscribe to that, we can certainly add you to the list so we can give you a heads up that the episode is ready to listen to. So at any rate, hope you had uh, a great week, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. We can also visit me at cambridgehouses.com. Okay, thanks very much. Have yourself a great week.